Ezra was there the day Hosea left. He'd overheard the month's worth of conversations between Hosea and father leading up to Hosea's exodus. He'd been the one to draft the bill, selling Hosea's share of father's land, making them all poorer, though they were nowhere near poor. Hosea hadn't spoken to Ezra about it. They didn't talk. Not really. Not without arguing. The day Hosea left, Ezra sat at the long, black, walnut dining room table, surrounded by papers. Three hours of numbers to be typed methodically into QuickBooks, then checked, then bills and reports emailed, printed, faxed, payments made, orders placed. The day Hosea left, just before he left, Father paced the house. Dining room, kitchen, sitting room, front room, foyer, sunroom, dining room, kitchen. On and on he went. Surrounded by his work, Ezra watched from the dining room. Through two doorways to the foyer where Hosea stood with Father in front of the old oak door. The grandfather clock ticked out its measure to Ezra's right. Father looked up at Hosea, at his hazel eyes, his shoulder-length brown hair poking out of his baseball cap. Evening lights filled through the stained glass transom window and lay on the pair thickly like blobs of paint. Maybe this paint would dry and they would freeze there. Ezra thought. He would have to clean them up after he finished working. They murmured at each other, mostly. Then Father gripped Hosea by the shoulders and said loudly, Are you sure? Yeah, Dad, I am, said Hosea, smiling. I love you. I love you too, Dad. Hosea hefted his pack onto his shoulders, turned the door, and opened it. He turned back and looked at Ezra, then looked down at the table, then back at Ezra. He nodded, and Ezra nodded back. Then Hosea stepped outside. Father closed the door, pressed his palms against it for several seconds. Ezra went back to the numbers. He heard ice clink into a glass, and a few moments later, the sound of Father lowering himself into his chair in the sitting room. He would be staring out the big picture window now, Ezra knew, and would fall asleep there. Hosea had left. Ezra had stayed. He'd stayed through mother's failing health, her dementia. He'd managed in-home caregivers, woken up all hours of the night to usher her back to bed like she was an infant, like he was her father. She couldn't remember Ezra's name, though she asked about Hosea often. He's fine, mother, Ezra would say, not looking at her. Ezra had stayed through father's drinking, his worrying, his pacing, He'd found a way to keep everyone on who worked for the family, 
to keep paying them even without the acres sold for Hosea. He found a way to keep the lights on for all of them. They heard from Hosea at first, not regularly, but often enough. After they talked, Father would sit clutching the kitchen phone, the plastic creaking like he was trying to hold on to his son, to embrace him. Hosea was traveling, he'd said. He was meeting people and seeing the world, the real world. All these people, Ezra, they're beautiful. They're incredible. The world is real enough here, Ezra had replied. Joshua's wife is pregnant. Great, that's great, Hosea replied, sounding pleased. One more person to keep the lights on for, thought Ezra, as he stared out Father's picture window. Then they'd heard from him less, and still less. Then it said his number was disconnected. Ezra had checked Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for clues. He checked couch surfing websites that hadn't been updated since they were created in the 1990s. There was no sign, no sure sign. Maybe he died, Ezra thought, ashamed of himself. It had been years. Ezra was gray now. Well, grayer and balder and badder. Joshua's daughter was 10. Mother was dead. Father was old. Older than the years that had passed. Older than the good oak barrel aged bourbon melting the ice in his glass. And now, here was Hosea on a Sunday morning. Ezra was sitting down at the dining room table and the oak door swung open and there stood Hosea in the frame, looking at him. The leather of father's chair creaked and Ezra heard footsteps pad toward the tall, shaggy man. Father appeared in the foyer in his dark blue robe and his red slippers and grasped at Hosea like he was trying to draw fog or mist to himself. He plucked at Hosea's ratty clothes, green, brown, tan, and gray, at his scraggly beard, at his matted hair. Father gripped Hosea's shoulders, and Ezra could hear the plastic of the kitchen phone creak in his mind. What? Ezra whispered. Ezra noticed himself breathing faster, like he was ready to run, like he was ready to fight. Then his father turned to him. Father's face was radiant, thought Ezra, alive, on fire. Call everyone, father probed. Then more clearly, call everyone here, Ezra, invite everyone. Invite Joshua's family, invite everyone's family. Call the caterer or, or order something, order, I don't know, chicken, whatever. The words tumbled out of father's mouth as Ezra stared, motionless. What are you doing, Ezra? Father asked. Ezra scratched his forehead and 
looked down at the ever-present spread of papers on the dining room table. Ezra hadn't noticed he had stood up. He adjusted his glasses, sitting back down, and began signing checks. Hosea's smell proceeded him into the room. He smelled like a pig, Ezra thought, except pigs were clean. Hosea sat down across from Ezra at the table and looked at him, his eyes brimming with tears. What can I do, Ezra? He asked, shaking his head just a little. Ezra set his jaw and stared at his brother, hating him, loving him. Nothing, he replied. And then to himself, nothing. Jesus tells three parables in the 15th chapter of Luke. And the, the gospel writer sets it up like this. You've all heard this before. Now the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow eats with sinners and sits with them. Now, knowing he's being criticized by these religious authorities, Jesus tells three stories about things lost. First, he tells a story about a lost sheep. He asks, Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost to find it? And then a story about a coin. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? I imagine Jesus telling both of these stories and getting kind of like blank stares. <laughs> then he sighs and says, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So the father divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. Dissolute living. Now the Jews who were listening to Jesus at the time, they would have known. The Pharisees and scribes, best of all, would have known. The younger brothers get all the breaks throughout the whole Hebrew Bible. Even though the oldest male is ascribed by biblical law to be the leader of his siblings, to be the inheritor of the father's wealth, we have stories all through the Bible of younger brothers being the ones blessed and chosen by God. Moses is younger than Aaron. Joseph, the one with the dream coat, he was the 11th of 12 brothers. David became king instead of his younger brothers. Jacob became the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, even though he was the youngest of his brothers, younger than his brother Esau. Solomon was chosen to be king over his older brothers, and of course, we know that Abel's offering was accepted by God over his brother Cain. Didn't work out that great for him, but still. <laughs> So right from the beginning, Jesus is telling his audience what they already know. God does unexpected things for unexpected people. And we all know the story. 
The younger brother leaves his family, goes to a foreign country, falls in with prostitutes, squanders his inheritance, ends up flat on his back in a pig pen, eating the scraps they leave behind. So the younger brother returns to his father intending to throw himself on his mercy. But the father doesn't even need to be asked. The father sees his son a long way off, Jesus tells us, and begins to organize a party. And of course, in the scripture that was read today, the older brother, the one who stayed, the good son, is a bit upset. Where's my party, he asks. I've been here the whole time. You really can't blame them. But this story isn't about the son or the brother or the father. It's about you. It's about me. It's about our neighbors. A pretty good common English translation of prodigal, what's a prodigal? Is waster or wasteful. You know, you might use the word bum. Prodigal is a word of judgment. And we all have prodigals in our lives. We judge our loved ones, our coworkers, even strangers we meet or pass on the street in this way. We see people waste money, resources, opportunities, talents, and time. You know, occasionally someone will walk through the doors of this church during worship asking for gas money. Maybe it's a scam. We turn to each other and ask. Seems like a weird story. They are our prodigals. And I promise you they are someone else's prodigal as well. People fail to live up to our expectations and we judge them. Almost as though, almost as though our expectations were a precious commodity that could be wasted. We judge ourselves for wasting these things. I know I do. And some of us are judging ourselves for being judgmental right now. But we have to ask ourselves, what is God's grace like? Is it merited? Do we earn it somehow? Is it possible to work to get more grace, to get more love than God already has for us? When the younger son returns, because of everything he had wasted, he tells his father, I am not worthy to be called your son. I am not worthy to be called your son. I've wasted everything. But he never gets the chance to ask what he can do to make amends. What would the answer be? Father, I'm not worried. I'm not worthy to be called your son. What can I do to make things right? What's the answer? What would the father say? The answer is nothing. 